If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. We are here with the one and only rising UFC lightweight star himself, Drew Doe. Man, quarantine is to do it all, man. Still looking cat. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, um, you know it's it's been it's been interesting, uh, <laughs> but uh, Team Elevation's been doing their best, keeping our fighters ready because you know this thing is going to have an end point, and we got to stay ready. So let's talk about that real quick. I mean, obviously, you're at Team Elevation. What a stable of fighters you guys have right now, talented from top to bottom. Uh, you put a post up on Instagram the other day. It was just an absolute room of killers, man. How, how does that work out day in and day out? Oh, I get beat up Monday through Friday. So hopefully I can beat someone else up on the occasional Saturday. Like right. <laughs> Monsters, monsters, all of them. Yeah, so we had a... Um, we had a poll going prior to your last fight um, with, you know, with you and Nasrat. And, I, you know, the overwhelming majority, I think, from the hardcore fans is that you're a guy to watch right now. So what's what's switched for you, man? You seem more comfortable than ever inside the octagon. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, you know, I'm fighting these young, enthusiastic guys. And, uh, man, I was I was 20 years old once before of pissing in vinegar and ignorance and so i think uh once i turned 30 and uh you know i've, I've, made, I've made mistakes that i had to learn from uh but um yeah moving to team elevation was one of my biggest biggest moves in my career and then being a part of that team um i definitely just had to uh, reanalyze myself and um you know and made some adjustments in my uh my mindset and my career and how I view training. And right. I think that's what's finally coming into fruition is just uh, adjusting my mindset. Yes. I mean, that's, that's great. You, you sort of built the segue for me there. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about with a coach like Elliot Marshall, who's so driven and such a great communicator. I mean, what is that like having somebody like that, you know, behind you every day? Oh, it's fantastic. And and not just Elliot, you know, we have Dave Zabriskie, who was a you know national champion and then my striking coach, uh, Oscar Martinez, uh, all three of them. I think what really um, encourages growth is they focus not just your MMA career, but like, who are you as a person and as a, as a friend and as like a father and as like a, a teammate and like, you know, they want to see you grow more than just a fighter, but in, in, in life. And, uh, you know, Elliot encourages it. Dave encourages it. I mean, Dave uh, hold me accountable to like my goals outside the cage. And right. so these coaches, you know, and that, that's, that's why I moved out to Denver, Colorado, which is team elevation. at something that I didn't see before. And that's, that's camaraderie. That's um, the, the teammates and the coaches acknowledge you and, and want to see you perform at your best, you know, all day, every day. Right. So given the, you know, like you said, the focus on performance, obviously going into even a couple of months ago, the, the fight announcement with Diego, uh, and then that has sort of transitioned now into this upcoming fight with Alexander Hernandez. I mean, is it, did you have to make many last second adjustments or were you just sort of stay ready so you don't have to get ready? Um, so both actually, uh, every, every single day we had to make adjustments, uh, when this entire thing kind of started and, uh, you know, I was still scheduled to fight May 2nd and right. we didn't really hear any news on like what was happening, but it was just like, as of right now, we're fighting May 2nd. So, you know, in Colorado, we had some gym closures, 
so team elevation had to had to you know like pick up the slack and you know and, and be like all right so you know we got to keep things under 10 people you know we're going to keep things clean we might need to do sessions outside I and mean, i was hitting mitts outside with my coach you know day in and day out so we were making adjustments every single day because at this point i'm fighting may 2nd right. and then um and then that got postponed but it was like well when is it when is it going to be like postponed like how far out and it was like a couple weeks so i was like well, right, we can't take a week off because you know that won't allow enough time so like right. let's stay on and and so then they're like, hey, we're having fights May 9th, May, whatever. And I was like, all right, well, I've been ready because uh, Team Elevation and I, you know, we were kind of rolling with the punches every single day throughout right. the entire thing. Well, I know, I know fighters as a whole uh, hate talking about their weight. Um, but, you know, a couple fights at welterweight. I see you're doing the the ready-made meals and all that kind of stuff. Are, mm-hmm. you, are you still shedding a lot of weight? Is welterweight eventually on the horizon? I mean, how's 155 feel? Ah, uh, 55 feels great. Uh, you know, as soon as I started working with Lockhart, because I didn't know what the, what the hell I was doing, you know, my, my <laughs> right. you know, and so I finally kind of admitted to myself, like, I need to stop trying to do this on my own. You know, I was being cheap. And so, you know, I hired on Lockhart and uh, that's been great. And I was like, well, you know, how can we make it better? And uh, so I work with uh, Laylee Lederman you know, here in Denver, Colorado, she's licensed under um, Lockhart. So she follows the same formulas, but now she's, she's holding me accountable. And so she, she measures out my meal. So I'm not measuring it out, you know, right. but you can tell me like, you only get 10 almonds. I'm like, nah, what's 15, you know, right, and the right. more times that, right. So like, she's, she's been fantastic, you know, meal prepping and not like just the other day, like she just made me like some scrambled eggs and, and whatnot. I was like, man, even her eggs are better than mine. So like, it's delicious. <laughs> it's right. Great. And, and, and she delivers too. And, you know, it's crazy with, you know, everything that's going on, you know, she's still running her business fantastically. So, and it, and it's keeping my weight at a, at a great point because we didn't know when I had to make 155. And so we right. just make sure that it was, it was possible. So when you're not in camp, do you just go ahead and let it go or do you keep it tight? I mean, what do you do? I mean, because, you know, listen, what they say, abs are made in the kitchen. And, um, dude, I mean, you're always chiseled out. So what's going on? What are we doing here? Uh, uh, so, I mean, you know, like when I first started this career, it was feast and famine. Like I ate nothing and then I ate everything. And right. so now I'm picking and choosing my battles. So, you know, I, I sit like uh, 85, a like comfortable 85. Any more than 85, I'm trying. And any less than 85, I'm also trying. Right. So like, yeah. So after my last fight, uh, you know, I had a trip an all inclusive package to Cancun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no way I'm eating chicken and broccoli out there. So right. I wasn't holding myself, but when I got back, I mean, it was like, you know, let's get back to the game plan and, uh, you know, enjoy myself in the weekends, but Monday through Friday is business. Right. So speaking from the business side of it. So obviously, a lot of guys get into fighting and money management becomes a thing and, you know, recognizing themselves as a brand becomes a thing. You're one of those, those guys that recognizes, you know, at least appears on the surface way you recognize where your strengths are, where your talents are, and you got stuff going on outside of the cage. Was that something that you pursued on your own or was something that you had like an advisor or friends or mentors pour into you about? Um, a lot actually. Um, you know, I think throughout my, my life, just admitting ignorance when it comes to something like I don't know how to do this, but there is people that do know mm-hmm. and uh, just being open for uh, advice and communication. Like, you know, you can tell me like, I don't care who you are. You tell me an advice or an opinion and I'm going to like examine it. Like, does this affect my life? Like it could or could not. And like, but I respect all of it. And so, you know, with fighting, um, you know, things outside of fighting, like coaching and personal training and, and even, um, you know, my life 
beyond fighting with like, like owning a gym and investments and money. Like I take advice anywhere I get. And then if I, if I see like I'm ignorant in something, I seek that. I seek uh, knowledge. I try to get as much information as possible. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the biggest takeaways, obviously, um, you know, your last two fights have been amazing and you're on a tear right now. But I think what stuck out, at least to a lot of fans anyway, was at the end of the Nazrat fight where you sort of walk away and you sat down for a second and just sort of, you know, just sort of observed what was happening. And then even how you conducted yourself after the fight and post-fight interviews and stuff like that. I think something about your mindset and the way you're composing yourself is really resonating with people. So are you working from, a you know sports psychologist or are you just pouring into yourself reading books how's that how's that coming to fruition um uh so the whole kneeling thing is has been something that i've done for a while um you know there was a couple like amateur fights that i had that you know i did the same thing it was a little short-lived and of course it's like in like a bar in nebraska so like nobody sees it right um but um after my loss with oliver mercier i did start working with a uh, a mental coach Cause I just wanted to figure out like, Hey man, I, I don't, I guess I don't know what I'm doing, you know, because in that fight I had so much anxiety, so much, like I, I had no control over it and kind of other things what we touched on was, uh, you know, for me, the mind of a champion is a child, a guy that can just have fun and forget the mistakes they make and, and still run enthusiastically forward. I mean, how many times do you see kids just fall on their faces and get back up and keep running? Sure. You know? And so I was like, all right, well, what was I doing as a child or what was I doing as an amateur or earlier in my career? And uh, I, I started kind of just bringing that back because I feel like when I decided I want to make this a career, it started feeling like a job. And then I got nervous and I got mm. cautious, got restrictive. And uh, I mean, I feel like Donald Cerrone in some interviews was touching on that. Like as soon as you start kind of just just allowing it to be fun again, you know, then then, yeah. So I was like, all right, well, what was, what was I doing? Like I was kneeling, I was respectful. I was, I was treating this as like a martial arts and treating training as a hobby. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it's my career, but it's also my hobby. And I'm also still a huge fan. Right. All right. So, so what was the genesis? Like, what was the thing that you saw that was like, okay, mixed martial arts, fighting, Muay Thai, this is for me. Like I was, I've been in love since blood sport. Like the first time my dad sat me down, we put the VHS in. I got to watch the Kumite, um, you know, our, that our co-host who's not on the call right now, but him and I got into this heated debate the other day because he's never seen Bloodsport. And I'm like, that's the original, man. That's the OG. Yeah. So, so like, what was, what was your thing that was like, oh, this is something I could be into? So this is going to resonate. Uh, so when I was five years old, I had two favorite movies. It was Army of Darkness and Bloodsport. And so, right. like, Van Damme was like, that's it. Like, that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, yeah, so like, then uh, I was like ten years old, and I was like, "It's time, it's time, I'm gonna start martial arts." And so I remember, like, I looked in the phone book at like the closest gym. I walked to it. I asked mm-hmm. them how much it would be. I like, and like, that's kind of all started. And lucky for me, I got with like a program that wasn't just like a youth taekwondo. Like they showed it, but they also showed other things like Muay Thai and kickboxing and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And I was just like, all right, I I quickly found out what was working what wasn't working and uh escalated after that um yeah i didn't know cage fighting that existed until i saw it was jeremy horn versus uh frank shamrock i saw that fight and i was like oh this is actually working like like these techniques are actually working and so i'm like i want to do that right and after after i decided i wanted to do that then it was just like i don't know how to but how can i figure it out 
Right, right, right. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that, um, you know, that I wanted to talk to you about was when you, when you're looking at, you know, somebody that's wanting to get into fighting, right. Something that somebody that's pursuing this, you said that you found something special at team elevation. What are some hallmarks or some key notes that people, that people should be looking for when exploring the idea of either starting something or switching camps or something, anything like that? Um, I think first and foremost, you know, you have to join a martial arts that like you've seen work, you know, like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Muay Thai, boxing, wrestling, like, you know, like you want to learn proper technique and not just, you know, have people sell you on some stuff. And then after that, then you just got to like check in with, your, with yourself every once in a while. Like, am I still learning? Am I still growing? And uh, if, if it's if that's not the case, you make an adjustment. If it is the case, then you work harder. Right. So, I mean, in your opinion, if there's somebody that wants to get started in something, wh where's a great foundation? Uh, wrestling. Like, if you're, if you're young, wrestling. Thank you. Thank you. I say yeah. this constantly, that I think that there's no greater basic skill set to have than wrestling. Right. So I just... I just want to, I just like hearing getting confirmation bias with everybody I ask. I just want to know, like everybody that, that listens to our show knows how I feel already. I just need to hear you say it. That makes me feel better. The crazy thing is uh, like one of my biggest regrets is not wrestling sooner because I mean, I, I started Muay Thai, I started kickboxing when I was like 12, but I didn't find wrestling until I was 16. So there was right. four years where I didn't know what, what I was doing. Like I was punching, I was kicking and like, that was it. Fighting was just fighting. Right. But right. as soon as I wrestling, I was like, oh man there's a totally different level to this. Like, like wrestling and everything surrounding wrestling is like a, a lot larger, you know, it's so yeah, as a child join wrestling and then you'll learn all of it. Right. Right. Okay. So obviously a Nebraska kid, um, you know, what, what's the, I guess I was, I guess I'd ask, you know, what, what's the hallmark for, uh, you know, a Nebraska athlete? Is it physical strength, endurance, grit? I mean, what, you know, what makes you, uh, that guy, like, you know, what, what, what are those people known for? Um, so I'm, I'm very proud in the, the, you know, the place I, you know, Omaha, Nebraska is where I'm from and Omaha, Nebraska makes the toughest fighters, okay. like the, the Midwest, like Iowa, like, you know, we got like Josh Neer and Jeremy Stevens and, and out of Omaha, Nebraska, I mean, we have Jake Ellenberger, like Mursad was in Omaha. He grew up like in the Lincoln, Nebraska area, Anthony Smith. And so, like, there's something in our water that makes us tough as nails. Because I think <laughs> right. one thing that we all share, we all have in common, is just this reckless abandonment and the ability and the durability to back it up. Like, right. with Anthony Smith, like, he's able to take fights and fight the best in the world and, like, take them to decisions and, then you know, all that stuff. It's like, we're just tough as nails in the Midwest. Just because right. nothing's handed to us, we got to make it work. Right. And then you're also polite, too, which is which is very frustrating. Right. It's tough. To, <laughs> it's very frustrating because, like, you know, if you get a, a an East Coast fighter, you know, especially like so I'm, I'm originally from Pittsburgh. But if you get people like that, you know, they can have tough. They, they can have toughness. They can have grit. But they're also a little abrasive and a little standoffish. You know what I mean? So you you have something else to dislike about them, you know, <laughs> the, the attitude. But then you meet somebody that's super nice. And they can just completely kick your ass too. You're like, come on, man, what's going on here? So. I, I, I think, I mean, it could be a combination of just like that, the Midwest, like, you know, howdy neighbor, how are things going? <laughs> and also the sheer fact that like you run your mouth in Nebraska, like you get humbled and I've right. been humbled quite a bit. So, <laughs> so I, I alluded to it before. Obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to fangirl over it, but you're, you, you're taking on 
Alexander Hernandez. And this is essentially uh, a lightweight fight of guys that have about 2% body fat combined between the two of you. Um, USADA is notorious. Like we hear the horror stories about USADA showing up at like kids' birthday parties or the middle of the night or something, you know, whatever the case may be, the most inopportune times. I mean, anything crazy, USADA tracking you down, anything like that, knocking when they shouldn't have been? Uh, no, no, actually. Um, I mean, USADA's tested me as much. I, th- I think the most problems I had, it wasn't with USADA, but it was with like the athletic commission, not like on how much weight I cut. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think I've given any sort of like idea or even conjecture that I'm even taking anything close to illegal. Right. So, I mean, like you said, uh, with, with the weight cutting, I mean, you see other promotions that are moving away toward, from weight cutting or doing it under a more lenient or supervised uh, approach. Is that something that you would like to see, too? I know that's a big hot button topic for a lot of people is how much weight guys are cutting. So it's that's such a touchy subject because, um, you know, if I'm more supervised as far as my weight goes, you know, they're not going to like, you know, the methods getting down to 55. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I'm not I'm like I'm not big. Like I feel like I'm big enough to fight at 170, but I'm not the biggest guy at 170. You know, I just sure. I just got done, you know, working a little technique with Usman and like, yeah, I don't get that big. And so I think myself like because there isn't a 65 pound weight class, I either have to cut 20 pounds or five pounds. Right. Like, and those are my only two options. And so you either open up more weight classes so that way it's less of a jump for us or you yeah, just educate, educate the fighters on how to do it properly. Do you like the idea of more weight classes? I, I mean, yeah. Oh, man, I love the idea of a 65. I'd probably fight like every other weekend if I was off one 65-pound weight class. Right, like, right. Weight cutting is the only reason I take so much time you know, in between because it's so restrictive. And sure. Then you get done with a fight and like, I want to go all-inclusive Cancun. And then you have to come back from that. And so, Right. It's a big cut. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So – like like we alluded to before with team elevation you got straight killers there right now everybody's got like a great nickname or alias how is it with your name with that double alliteration how have we not or why do you not go with a nickname is it something that's earned not given or you just don't like the idea of it or what's the story behind that uh you know honestly i think deep down i feel like drew dober is my nickname uh okay you know, I- Andrew Dober, you know, uh, you know, right. like, or my, my mother's name is Bauer. So I was like Andrew Bauer for some time. Yeah. So like when I was in like sixth, sixth grade, I thought Drew Dober sounded like a superhero and mm-hmm. I just want to be a superhero. So I was like, I literally just during roll call, you know, people were like, oh, is Andrew here? And I was like, it's, it's Drew. Right. And so Drew Dober became, became the nickname. And so like now, you know, people are like, oh man, have you, have you met Drew Dober? Like, have you seen Drew Dober? And like, that's the nickname. Like that's, okay. that's my fighter Elias. And my okay. girlfriend just knows me as Andrew. Okay. All right. So, oh, so there's, there's, okay. I got you. So there's a, there's a differentiation that happens there. So, so she gets the, the Andrew right. And everybody else is Drew. Got it. That's good though. That's the way it's got to be. Yeah, and sometimes it's just subtle. Like sometimes people know Drew Dober, or people know Drew Dober. Like, right, right. So there's a yeah. All right. Well, I made a whole list of potentials here, so we don't need to get into those if you're not you. You know, so that's. Some... No, I'm curious. Now you're gonna toss it out. <laughs> well, no, I mean, so obviously, with with your last with Dober, you've all you somebody has to have mentioned the Doberman before, right? That has to have been brought up. Dober Doberman. Right, right. Of course, it's so redundant. Um, and then what about Bull for the middle? So Bull Dober as a play on Bulldozer. 
that's that's kind of catchy. It's kind of catchy. Right, right. But, and that okay, go ahead. I, I, was, I, I was always a fan of things that are completely dismissive. Like I, I don't want to start saying these things. I feel like they're going to start sticking. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, well, no. You see, like so, Robert Whitaker, right? So Whitaker tries to push the Reaper for forever, but everybody calls him Bobby Knuckles. <laughs> I know. So, so, I mean, I feel like he should just lean into that. Bobby Knuckles is a way better, way better nickname. Okay, so one that was, like, super catchy, and, like, I, I don't know, I just didn't want it at all, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it still sounds nice. So I worked as a baker for, like, like, two years. Okay. And so the people are like, why don't you just go as Drew the Donut Dober? <laughs> that's good, yeah, too. Know, right? It's, that's good. It's catchy. Right. Um, so another one I thought of, too, obviously a play on your fur, like your, you know, the, the the name that your girlfriend calls you by and that your mom calls you by. But, in, you know, when they announce a champ, it's and new. You could be Andrew Dober. <laughs> you could do it like that. You could have I a mean, buffer, put the, put the space in. Dude, honestly, that was the first time I've ever heard that. That's that's solid. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. that's, I'm, I'm just thinking. I'm just trying to, you know, I, I try to make my money off wordplay, man. So that's what I now know I'm dealing with a professional. I, uh, so, you know. If nothing else, that's the only card I have to play. (laughs) All right. So let's wrap this up real quick. I like to keep it lighthearted. We do have some fan questions people submitted. Um, This is news to me. I don't know how, I don't know where this information came from, but you recently purchased a new place. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Right? Yeah. So purchased a new place. I'm supposed to ask you how that Pinterest life is going. Oh, man. It's actually, this place is looking fantastic. I, I mean, with the combination of Pinterest and YouTube, I actually learned how to interior design and fix stuff inside of a place. So, yeah, if if, if you're not already on that Pinterest life, you know, check it out. I haven't been. I guess I'm going to have to start. I'm not really sure. I know for a while I, I've been married for 15 years. I know my wife is all about Pinterest. That's probably why I have half the stuff in my house. Well, yeah, I, I was doing it by myself. So, I mean, if right. you, can, you have a wife giving you, you know, their opinion, then that's equally as good as Pinterest. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Um, and then would you rather a couple of would you rathers here? All right, especially for a fighter based fighter based question here. Would you rather be out be able to talk yourself out of any situation or punch your way out of any situation? Definitely talk my way out of every situation. Okay. Just, I mean, you make more friends that way and plus and like I don't want to get punched in the mouth and I'm not getting paid for it. Right. But I mean, what, imagine being that guy where you can take like that, uh, like that Jason Statham style approach to a room though. And it doesn't matter how many guys run at you, you can work your way through them. I mean, that would kind of, that sort of that, that Thanos level power, power, man, would be pretty awesome. <laughs> so, I feel like this question is really going down. Like, do you want to be Superman or Batman? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I'd probably be a Batman. Just interrogate and figure things out via words. Right. Yeah. Let's let's divide your fan base 50 50 right now. Who wins in a fight, Superman or Batman? It's oh, so bad because I hate Superman, but he'd win for sure. But supposedly Spider or uh, supposedly Batman's got all the weapons. You know, he's got all the tech. Yeah, he's got he can... like the, the kryptonite, like boxing glove, but like that's so, so limited. Right. Like you can get to him in time. And... Right. <laughs> all right. Uh, something that might resonate uh, with a Midwest guy like yourself. Would you rather fight? A hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Oh, my God. Probably <laughs> one horse-sized duck. Dude, horses are so big, though. 
I know, but I can at least keep it in front of me. If you got like all the little ones running, like you never want to turn your back <laughs> up and start to eat your head off. <laughs> right, 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 right. All right, man. So I'm going to be respectful of your time. We're coming up on 25 minutes. You've been a great sport about everything. Um, obviously, you're doing great work in the UFC. I mean, you know, what's what's next for you? I mean, obviously, we have the Alexander Hernandez fight. Um, you know, this is a big test in, in front of you. You know, what's in your estimation, crystal ball, if you can look out in the future, what's 20, the rest of 2020 and 2021 looking like for you? Uh, I'm just, I'm living the life. I, I absolutely love fighting and fighting the best in the world. So keep bringing on the best fighters in the world. And I want more people to watch. You know, I want to be able to, you know, enter the shelf life or the retirement life completely satisfied with the performances that I've given everyone. Right. Yeah. I mean, Listen, it's it's no secret you're living your best life right now, man. You're, you're you're crushing it in the cage. You're crushing it outside of the cage. Personal life seems to be popping for you, man. I'm super. I'm happy for you. I mean, you know, completely living your best life. Uh, you know, it's it's been it's a it's a treat to watch, man. I love seeing you get more and more comfortable every time, uh, you know, that you're in the cage. I appreciate it. And, you know, my number one goal is to entertain the fans. And so I think the most exciting part about all the success is the fans seem to be absolutely loving it. And just that love alone. It's like, that's why I do the sport. Right. So let me ask you this before we wrap up. We are a betting based podcast. Obviously, that's where we cut our teeth is in MMA betting. Is that something that you care about at all? Oh, God. Gambling in itself. <laughs> one, like I'm I pinch <laughs> I can't win anything. Right. And two, like I found out that if I put money on a fight, I'm losing. Right. So you don't bet on yourself. <laughs> Actually, I just recently found out that I can. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I still feel like that'd be some bad juju. The right. first time I bet on myself, that, that I feel like it wouldn't end well. Right. Okay. So you made our best bet la- uh, best bet list last year because uh, consistently as an underdog, you came out on top, and then your last fight uh, against Nazrat, you were a plus two sixty underdog, uh, and we told people. I mean, I, I'll send, I can send you the sound clip if you want. We told people sleep on you uh, at their own peril. Plus two sixty was a was a dynamite bet, and man, it felt good. You know, I, I wasn't in there. I didn't. I didn't punch him in the face. I know there was no ill will in you doing it, but man, it felt good to see you hit him and watch him fall down, man. Oh yeah, words cannot describe how good that felt, and even better. So, like, trust the guys that put money on me. Definitely let me know that they did. Like, you won me dollars, and I was like, all right, I'll take that. Hey man, that's what what you got to do. I love being an underdog. Hopefully, with this Alexander fight, more people think he's going to win than me because I love being the underdog. That's what I say. Do you want to talk about the odds for the fight, or you don't care at all? Because I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt your superstition here. I don't know. Is, is there odds on the fight? There are odds on the fight. You are underdog yet again. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're cool, man. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love being the underdog. It's so much fun. So, okay. yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so so right now you're at about a plus 150, which means a 1.5 return on your money for every dollar that you bet on you. Perfect. So if people want to commit that money, I'll make sure they can uh, get some money back to them. And so you get, listen, that's what you do. And then you set up an OnlyFans or a PayPal and just have them tip you back to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's the way you got to do it. That's a slippery slope, the OnlyFans thing. So listen, what is going on with that? Well, everybody's doing that now. <laughs> well, people are just bored at their house. Like, God, there's like people are coming up with like workout videos, 
recipe shops. And then if they can't cover that, like let's just take clothes off, I guess. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you. So you've obviously seen the uh, the the the, uh, the taking of the clothes off uh, Instagram wave, if you will, uh, which is currently going on right now. I mean, I mean, if you look at my Instagram, I don't think I've ever worn a shirt on Instagram ever. So. <laughs> Speaking of shirts, real quick, let's talk about your fight with Jason Gonzalez. What was up with that tan? Oh my God, I have I have tanning issues because I tan so incredibly well that sometimes it's just a horrible like. Uh, say my second fight in the UFC, I first moved out to Colorado. I just had coffee outside for like 45 minutes and I had a white tank top tan line yeah. permanent. Like, and it was like, ah, oh, so I have to be careful. So if, if the temperature gets any more than like 80 degrees, I have to take my shirt off because I'm going to be in front of a camera at some time. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you looked like, you looked like you were like, a, like, a female fighter that wears one of like the tank top, like sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like the the thing that you see, like uh, all her names completely el eluding me now. But like Michelle Watterson wears the tiny t-shirts and stuff like that. That's what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it, it could be a blessing that I tan easily, but it's also a curse in the fact that yeah, I get lines all the time. Right. Right. Okay. Um, last thing before that, I know I've said that you know probably six times we can now. Keep going. I mean, this is Saturday. I don't. You have training on a Sunday, so right. Um, no, so like I said, we you are an underdog going into this fight. Um, that that's definitely something uh, that people pay attention to. And you know, as a gambler myself, I'm super superstitious. Like very, you know, like Michael Scott says, he's not superstitious. He's a little stitious. I'm superstitious, right? <laughs> um, and one of my biggest things is fresh haircuts going into a fight. And I don't like that you're always fresh haircut. And you 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 win. You're the exception to my rule. Normally, oh. I tell people if you see a guy switch up his hair, or he's got a new hairstyle or a fresh haircut, you got to back out. You got to back out, and you go in freshly cut every time, and continue to just continue to be the exception to my rule. Oh, well, that's brutal. But maybe to add a little like to your superstition, most times I, I mess up at some time. So right. like my last fight with Nazareth, like I. Trying to trim my face, I had a cut on my upper lip, or I, I went to like Cleveland before uh, you know I fought Jason Gonzalez. I went to a barber and I was like, "Hey, can I have this?" He goes, "I don't even know what that is." I'm like, "Just improvise," and like it was not what I wanted, and so I'm like, "So I guess I, I guess I'm clean cut, but unfortunately there is flaws right. most times." Yeah, so we just gotta have, have to mess up my haircut for next fight. Fair enough. Well, there's nothing <laughs> scarier to me. One of the one of the worst things that I see. From a from a superstition standpoint, is when a guy a guy or a girl leaves the tunnel and their hair looks completely different. Like when Frankie Edgar just walked out and he had all those curls, I was oh. like, "Listen, I'm calling everybody. I'm like, just just cancel the bets, cancel the bets." <laughs> <laughs> that haircut, man, or the lack thereof was just it was drive it just threw me over the edge. That and the uh, the Bruce Buffer fist bump. You know, there's a huge. There's a huge contingency of people out there that uh, don't like it when fighters fist bump Bruce Buffer. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, it's like How a. How about with McGregor? I feel like McGregor comes in with a different haircut every single fight. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, <laughs> there, there's a reason for that. Um, <laughs> or, or <laughs> I, the, the haircut thing is one of my own personal things that I don't like. That's something yeah. that I'm superstitious about. Uh, I haven't really put anybody on the analytics of it to see how true it may be. I think you'd have to watch too much film. Um, 
But, you know, McGregor's usually a sizable favorite, with the exception of the Khabib fight. Uh, he was a, a <laughs> underdog, and justifiably so, in that fight. So, so your thoughts on the top of the lightweight division? I mean, obviously, you're in the most talent-rich division in the UFC. I mean, how does it feel to be in the mix with the deepest division right now? That's one of the biggest motivators to stay in the lightweight division. You know, I could move up to welterweight and make this uh, weight cut easier, but in the, the lightweight division is the most epic fighters in that division. And, you know, plus they like standing and trading with you too. Like you like Dan Hooker, Paul Felder, uh, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, like, like these guys are going to make a show. So right. lightweight division has the names, has the talent. And if I want to make a journey of the most epic fights before I die, this is the weight class for me. Is there anybody, I mean, obviously this isn't a call out. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting it as a call out, right? We're not, it doesn't go out as a call out. Is there somebody that you see ahead of you outside of Alex, right? Obviously that you look at and go, man, I'd like to, I'd like to test myself against that guy, or I'd like to put hands on, on, on that person. Dustin Poirier. Yeah. I think, I think right now that like, he just came off a loss against Khabib. So, I mean, in my mind, he's like number two. And uh, his grit, his hands, the way he uh, he fought Max Holloway, uh, the way he fought Justin Gaethje, like that's one of the guys I would love to test myself against. That that would be amazing. He's another one of those guys that seems to get. He's he's finally hitting his stride. Like it took a little bit longer, got into his thirties, and all of a sudden it's like he's so comfortable in his own skin. Everything looks like the best version of himself every time we see him. Right. I mean, you can see the comfort in fights. Like, I right. mean, I, I mean, I watch his fights all the time when I'm bored here. So I was like, oh, man, that would be so cool to, you know, compete against that guy. Is there is there something that you see? I mean, in you know, when you're looking at a potential opponent, right, obviously you're always focused on the next guy in front of you. But you have to sort of be taking stock of the landscape of the division, um, mm -hmm. you know. With your management, with your team, you know, do you put a roadmap out there on how you want to get from, you know, obviously point A to point, you know, C or D and, you know, after you get past your next opponent? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we create kind of like an idea of like, you know, these are the people that we're going to be looking at. Um, unfortunately, it's so loose because <laughs> you don't really control who you fight. You know, it's, it's the UFC. But um, yeah, I, as of, you know. Alexander, I've had my eyes on him. As soon as he entered the UFC, I was like, this is the guy I'm going to fight. Like, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And right. so then when the UFC is like, hey, you want to fight Alex? I'm like, yeah, I knew this was happening. So we kind of have an you, idea who the guys I'm fighting are. Now, when you see guys like Alexander come in, you know, obviously he got that win over Benil. Um, he came out, you know, crazy like his hair was on fire and got Benil out of there. And then the win over OAM. Um and then he stumbles against Cowboy. You know, does it? Do you take notice of when the UFC kind of does things that maybe necessarily fans don't believe to be? And I, I hate using this word fair. Um, you know, guys get guys or girls getting pushes maybe before they're ready or without. You know, with only a couple fights underneath them. Um, I think there just needs to be an acknowledgement that yes, we are fighters, but we're also entertainers. And so, in my opinion, ranking is just a popularity contest. And it's really, it's like the, the top guys are the guys that put asses in seats. And the bottom guys are the guys that are just like squeaking away with wins. So, if you're winning and you're winning fantastically, you're hopping up that ladder real quick. Right. 
Yeah, so I mean, your fight coming up. I mean, you're third on the you know on the main card. I mean, that's obviously a huge that's a huge step right before the co-main event. I mean, do you, is that another thing that you look at? Am I the A side or the B side? Where am I at in the you know the the position of the card? Um, slightly, just because I really enjoy having more eyes on my fight. So like, yeah, you put me in the second fight of the night, and I'm just like, eh, like I want to have more eyes on this this endeavor. Um, but, um, a side B side, really, it's just like, if I only get to do this for a short period of time, I want as many eyes on me as possible. And if it's, you know, honestly, sometimes it comes down to like, I want to be on live broadcast, you know, people are paying for the pay-per-view and nobody, you know, like I want to be on that ESPN live cable television. Like I want to see like everybody tuning in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let me ask you that then. So this is, uh, you know, UFC 249 is coming out. It's a pay-per-view. The UFC, obviously, I don't want you to say anything negative about your employer, but the UFC is going with the pay-per-view model. They are charging the full $64.99. I mean, to me, from a from a standpoint of this is a rare opportunity to have, like you said, all eyes on you, I think this would be a super power flex to make 249 a free, a free event. No, I, I, I agree with you, um, you know being a um an entertainer yeah i i I would say like yeah just drop the drop that cost and let everyone enjoy because this is a such a prime moment for fight like fights to be on television but i mean there could be just like small details of just like you know how is espn treating you know the thing and you know are they really ready to like broadcast to that extreme or you know does the does ufc really need to like keep their revenue coming in from pay-per-view or like i don't know like the business details but as a fighter i agree with you i want it free <laughs> I, I i would love to see it free um you know based and i see i say that from the perspective of i love guys like i love justin gaethje i love tony ferguson it you know, it's it sort of bums me out to see guys that I respect and admire that much that have to square off against each other, given the circumstances that have things are going on. But I also want that to be a free card because I feel like it's an opportunity for guys like that to be showcased for the world. You know, and I right. think that's what's what's great about your opportunity uh, coming up is that, you know, you will be free. You'll you know, you'll be on something that's televised and you'll have the eyes of the world watching you. Is that something that you've let the gravity of that sort of, you know, uh, have you taken that into account yet? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's gravity. I think it's just like it's the thing that's pumping me up. It's the thing that's getting me excited is, uh, you know, sometimes I get scheduled to get me on a, a fight night instead of a, a pay-per-view. And I'm like, even better because, like, I just want, you know, as many people watching as, you know, and plus I, get my, I want my mom paying pay-per-view so right. she gets to watch me for free. <laughs> uh, but another thing that kind of res- resonates is, remember, like, Way back when, Friday Night Fights with like Muhammad Ali fighting like trilogies against like, and people know these names because they're right. tuning in Fridays and there's like, you know, Friday Night Fights, this is what's up, you know, and I think uh, this is a great time to kind of start doing that. Where it's right. like, oh, every Friday, UFC's having these events and like, oh, I saw that guy fight last time and this and that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely something that, that I, you know, is near and dear to my heart. Um, boxing is sort of where it started and then we transitioned into mma but i mean friday night fights as a whole and i loved when pbc uh was announced and they were doing you know the pro the the professional boxing on thursdays on fox sports one and all that stuff recently in the last couple years um and that's what i love about the pfl model too is they put all their events on and they're on espn as as well um 
you know, that's definitely one of the things that, like you said, as entertainers, the more eyes you can get on you, the better for your brand. I mean, mm-hmm. would that be one of those things like Dana White just recently said that they're they're going to be bringing back the ultimate fighter. Um, have, have you have you heard that they're going to be bringing that that show back? I actually is the first time I'm hearing it. If it's, so, if it's new fighters like that's cool. Um, I think, um, you know, one thing like when you're when I'm trying to sell a card to my girlfriend, yeah, I show her the embedded videos, you know, I feel exactly. Like, if they they get emotionally involved in these fighters, they want to watch the fights, and that's kind of what the Ultimate Fighter does. It's like you kind of learn and, and see like what what these guys are outside the cage. Yeah, and I, the reason why I say that is you know to to bring it back to the point that we're making here is that you know the more eyes that you can get on you, the better off and building your story, your brand, and like you said, having people invest in you. Um, so is that is that something that you take you know? stock in and some an approach that you have when you do interviews or when you do media or when you interact with people on the street is that something that you take into account oh yeah uh, something i had to acknowledge a, a while ago it's like okay you know if i want to be the best fighter in the world I gotta, I gotta be comfortable with myself you know because i feel like some fighters are just really struggling about like you know what do i put out there what do i not put out there you know how do i get fights do i trash talk and like i just like the, the more I understand myself, the more comfortable I am with me, the more I'm able to turn up the volume when, you know, people want to talk to me or, you know, have interviews like this. Right. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah you have to be comfortable with what brand you're building. And, uh, you know, it's something I thought about. And it's uh, at this point, I'm just comfortable with who I am because I can't be anything different. Right. OK, so like you said, uh, pace, comfortability, everything else. Alexander Hernandez is known to come out and be a blitzkrieg, if you will. Um, and you are a guy who's not afraid of a firefight. Uh, even the promo we cut for the interview, you know, we took, we took Rogan's words right out of his mouth. They said, where well, you're always comfortable in the mix of a firefight. Are you preparing for the blitz? Are you willing to engage the blitz? I mean, obviously you can't, you know, you know, want to share the game plan, but, um, surely, I mean, I'm not telling you something you don't already know when it comes to how he approaches his fights. Um, you know, honestly, I think the game plan is uh, we don't know what Alex is going to show up because against Trinaldo, against Cerrone, and against Mercier, he's a totally different fighter. You know, it's it's he's going to come in with like what's going to mentally make him feel comfortable. I'm just going to come in and read it. Like, I mean, that's the thing. It's a uh, uh, haze in the barn. The fight's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen. <laughs> like, the more predictions I try to put on this fight, the more restrictive I become. So all I do is I tap gloves. You might not actually want to tap gloves. And so I just have to just read. Just read. Right. I can get on board with that. All right, Drew, I am going to wrap it up, man. We're at 40-plus minutes here. You've been super generous with your time. Um, I know you already taught, You already gave a little shout-out uh, to your nutrition team, people that are you know helping you out and keeping you on weight. Is there anybody else that you're working with that you want to give shout-outs to or perhaps – you know, steer people in their direction. Oh, you know, team elevation in, in Denver, Colorado. Like we got something special out here. So whether you want to, to become a UFC fighter, want to just do martial arts, learn some jujitsu, like team elevation, Easton's Denver, it's, it's where it's at. And then, uh, you know, I started uh, getting managed by a Balanji group. Uh, they're starting to manage a lot of uh, great fighters and uh, they're, they're really changing the game on uh, helping fighters, you know, get what they need. Awesome. Well, listen, I appreciate you being so generous with your time and, you know, the support that you've, that you continue to show with the fans online and engaging people. It's, it's always great. You know, it, 
it's weird and it <clears throat> it sounds a little hokey, you know, at times, but it's great acknowledgement from a content creation standpoint. Uh, oh man, did we freeze here? No. And you're I just okay. okay. <laughs> what happened? Anyway, what was what was the last thing you heard me say? Hokey. Oh yeah, yeah. I said so. I don't want to be hokey. Um, but you know, it's a big thing whenever somebody creates content or shouts out a fighter or does something like that and the fighter acknowledges it. And, uh, that's always been one of the biggest things that's had us continue to keep eyes on you and continue to create content focused towards you and your team as that you guys are all super interactive with fans online. And that's appreciated. You should know that. Oh, well, thank you so much. I just, I'm a fan myself. So, you know, I, I, I'm with you guys. I am you guys. So, like, I never consider myself any, like, above or below. Like, May 9th, I'm so excited to see those fights. It's just unfortunate I might have to be travel around that time. So, right, right. I interact with you guys because I'm the same. Awesome. All right, well, listen, I'd love to have you back on after the Alexander fight. Um, you know, I know your stock's going to continue to rise. So, you know, I'm always trying to put them feelers out. I want to lock you down now before you get too big. And then we're trying to go through your new management team in order to lock on an interview. Uh, but yeah, anytime we can get you on the show, man, I'd love to have you back. Perfect. I had a lot of fun. So yeah, the sooner the better. All right. Take care.